Hello, and welcome to this episode of the DBR Podcast Network, which this year has grown as an expansion out of Podcast Winterfell. My name is Susan Stacy, and I am joined today by Patrick Spinagle. And we are here to discuss the latest upcoming Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi, which is going to be released in the United States on Friday, December 15th, which is 11 short days from now. And I can't believe that. I'm really super excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> and specifically, I asked Pat to join me to uh, do an exploration and some discussion about the kind of controversial character who was introduced in The Force Awakens of Kylo Ren. So, um, before we go any further, Pat, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself, talk to me about, um, you know, what uh, your involvement is. I mean, I know you and I got to know each other through Twitter and uh, my being a part of the podcast Winterfell as far as the Game of Thrones fandom. Um, but I know you have involvement in a lot of different areas and your blog and the, the work that you're now doing on the um, on watches, yeah, watches yeah. on the wall, yeah. Right. So, go ahead and tell us all about that. Oh well, well, Susan. First off, thank you for inviting me to come onto the podcast and talk to you about Star Wars. Uh, in many ways, I think it's going to be mostly you because talking to you ahead of time, you've done like a ton of research on uh, uh, everything behind Kylo Ren. But I'm happy to be here and, and talk to you however you like. Uh, I saw Star Wars. Maybe not the day it opened, but the weekend it opened back in 1977, uh, and I was 12 years old at the time. So George Lucas says that Star Wars was made for 12-year-olds, and I agree, at least from my perspective. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the next one. Um, and I like how you said that we're going to talk about some controversial things about Kylo Ren because I, I pitched some of these ideas that you talked to me about to my family, and it's very controversial. My daughter was very unhappy with what we were going to be talking about. So, oh, really? oh, yeah. I said, I said, hey, hey, Grace, what do you think about maybe Ray and, and Kylo Ren? And she's like, no. I want Ray to be a strong, independent woman. I said, oh, but what about no? And my wife, my wife just said, "I don't want to hear anything about a redemption of Kylo Ren after he he killed Han Solo." And I said, "Okay, okay." So, but but I don't want to get ahead of us. Yeah, I I'm, I just wanted to give you some of that perspective. Sure, uh, but sure. yeah. but anyway, as as you already point out, I, I do some writing about Game of Thrones, and that's how you and I became friends on Twitter, just talking about uh, Game of Thrones and A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, and um, I guess I, I, I'm probably a few years older than you then, Pat, because when the first Star Wars came out, I was in high school. I uh, actually went to see the very first movie, uh, was the first real date that I went on. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, and I enjoyed the, the original trilogy, uh, but I can't say that I ever got real excited about it. I just thought, you know, it, it was something that I understood as a big part of the, uh, uh, you know, social, uh, you know, everyone loves, loves Star Wars, but right. you know, I, I can take it or leave it. And, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then when the prequels came out was when I was raising my kids and they were very young. And so I was taking them to the movies and I enjoyed it through their eyes. My, uh, I have two daughters and a son and it was my uh, second daughter, the middle child who is kind of a tomboy, and she absolutely loved the prequels. She was the one we had to buy a lightsaber for, and who collected all the the uh, characters and uh, all that. So that, that was my perspective, was you know, when I was young and then through my children. What, what's but funny... I have to tell you. Uh-huh. Go ahead. So, go ahead. Oh no! I, I, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but uh, you talking about how you your daughters really became in, in, involved with the prequel movies and how that much they spoke to them. Um, my daughter uh, is now sixteen, and when the Force Awakens came out, I said, "Look, I want you to see Star Wars, and then we're going to go see the Force Awakens, and I want you to at least see the original one of the original movies, so you'll have some kind of frame of reference." And she was like, "I don't want to see this movie. It looks dumb. I don't like anything about this." And so she didn't like 
Star Wars because she was just resisting the whole way. And you, and you know how it is. You know, as a parent, you, you have to run that fine line of what you're trying to, like, push your children into. But we, we went to see The Force Awakens, and she became a convert. She just loved Star Wars after that point. She was so happy with The Force Awakens. So she is looking forward to The Last Jedi, which is why she has, like, very strong opinions about what she wants Rey to do and how that does not involve Kylo Ren. But uh-huh. you know, but we'll touch on that later. But anyway, I think it's nice how every generation, uh, between the two of us, we have multiple generations of children that uh, that have interacted with uh, the their group of movies differently than we we did. Sure, sure. Um, yes, and uh, uh, so yeah, it really was the Force Awakens that kind of got me excited about the the movies, and over the last uh, year or so, especially since. We haven't had any new books from George R. R. Martin. And right. I feel like I have gone over that material so much that, uh, you know, e- even though I do hear a lot of new perspectives from new ideas that uh, people come up with that are still add interesting things to it, I kind of just a little bit burned out and waiting for, for the new material. So I started getting into the Star Wars saga, and I think that I had around the time that the that uh, the Force Awakens came out, I had mentioned it, or I'd gotten in the Twitter conversation with you about it. Cause, um, and, and I think I remember like you, you were calling the original movie Star Wars. You objected yeah. to, you didn't want to call it the new hope. Uh, yeah, I, anyway. yeah, I, it, I, I recognize that it is, it is like legally called a new hope, but when I saw it way back when it was Star Wars and, and there was no chapter four. So I, I, I get really, uh, not, I'm not gonna say I get prickly about that, but I have like my own little worldview that there's Star Wars and Empire and I, I barely recognize Return of the Jedi as a movie and the prequels. I, I just kind of have to admit exists, but with, uh, with the Force Awakens coming back out and the other Star Wars movies that are in, in the pipeline, I'm much happier about things moving forward. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so what I got excited about was just like with Game of Thrones, if I get interested in something, I really want to learn about the whole universe of it. And um, so when I started to look at all this material that had been developed over the years, I was kind of daunted with where to start. Yeah. But then when I discovered that uh, with Disney taking over the uh, franchise, that they were kind of redoing what they considered to be canon. And um, so they are considering all of the, the primary movies, the seven movies now, and uh, a uh, animated series. Are you familiar with the? The Clone Wars series that they did. I, I'm familiar with it. I've I've not watched it, uh, and and I I watched a little bit of the very original uh, Jandy Tarkovsky cartoon, uh, but I've but I've really not seen the Clone Wars. So yeah, so, so yeah, I'll, I'll let you take the lead on all the info from that. Okay. Well, what you're talking about, I'm not familiar with that version, but okay. the Clone Wars series that I'm talking about. Disney is considering it part of the canon, but it actually came out. I mean, it was it was uh, had been in production several years before Disney acquired them. Right. And uh, what I do like about the Clone Wars series, because I have watched that all now, is it really expands Anakin Skywalker's story. It just seems like when you're watching the prequels, you don't get enough information about how he he um, you know went. From a Jedi to uh, the dark side so quickly, right? And when you get into and you see the um, the Clone Wars series, it gives you time for Palpatine to be working on him, and different things to be happening that you can see where he's getting more and more uh, dissatisfied with the Jedi philosophy and so forth. So I'd recommend it for that reason. Uh, and then when Disney took it over, they uh, there were still a couple of years of material that uh, Lucasfilms was originally going to put out, and they didn't continue with the series, but what they've done is they've taken some of that material and put it out in, in comic books and in novels, so uh, some of that was still going on. Uh, what I see Disney doing now is 
for for Lucas Films is as they develop this uh, universe for Star Wars moving forward, they're kind of methodically building this universe, and they're going back into what's now considered the extended universe. All this this voluminous material that had been developed over the years, and they're they're pulling out pieces of it that they really like and adding it to their canon as well as developing new stuff as they move forward. Right. Now, I, I agree. I've read some of the extended universe books. I read the uh, the Timothy Zahn books, uh, which had some of the like iconic characters like Admiral Thrawn. Um, but uh, but I know there's like a ton of books written in the extended universe uh, that I know nothing about. Uh, so I'm kind of happy that Disney is is not ignoring at all, but just kind of like pulling what what some of the best material from the extended universe and kind of like rolling it into their stuff going forward. Uh, so I'm looking forward to kind of experiencing that stuff for the first time, and that way people who are familiar with the extended universe can recognize the like the homages to uh, to the stuff that they know about. Right. Yeah, I think they're really streamlining it. I, I like what they're doing, and it's giving me a chance to to learn about the whole thing without, you know, trying to figure out all that stuff. It seemed, this uh, this is just my impression, but it seemed to me that uh, George Lucas kind of uh, let a lot of people develop their own uh, novels and so forth, that there was just this huge uh, volume of work out there that just wasn't necessarily as integrated as, as what I see Disney is trying to do as they're moving forward. Yeah. So, anyway, oh, and Thrawn is brought in to the new series, that the new uh, animated series that they've had the last couple of years called Rebels. You heard of right. that one? I've, I've heard of it. Again, I, I, I know some of the characters. I, I've not seen any of it, but I know, like, you know, like Chopper the Droid, I know about him and, uh, uh-huh. and, things, and things like that. But, I, but I've not seen the series, I, I, yeah. I admit. It's good. It's very good. Uh, I've watched that as much of it. Has, has come out, they're in the midst of their last year, and it's going to uh, basically uh, uh, end up uh, dovetailing into um, uh, my mind went blank. The, uh, the movie that they came out with? Uh, Rogue uh, One? Rogue One, exactly, thank you. <laughs> it's going to end up dovetailing into Rogue One as they finish up uh, Rebels. So, um, so now how did you? What did you think about Force Awakens when it came out? What was your impressions about it? Uh, well, you know, well, straight up, like I said, my daughter was so delighted with it that I was also very happy with it, uh, and and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot uh, for a couple of different reasons, and, and and we'll go ahead and say straight up that I recognize that the plot of the Force Awakens is very similar to A New Hope, uh, and. I, I have friends of mine who just did not like the Force of Awakens because of that, uh, but I I did not mind that at all. I uh, I, I felt that uh, that type of through line of you know the 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 kid from the desert planet who who ends up on this big adventure with essentially a bigger bigger Death Star blowing up. I didn't mind that. I really enjoyed this kind of familiar aspect to it, along with the uh, the new material they had added in. Because uh, I thought Poe was interesting character, this heroic character. I really enjoyed Finn, and, and because of that, Finn and Poe really worked for me as friends. I really liked Ray, and of course, my daughter loved Ray beyond belief. Um, mm-hmm. But my wife was just so upset though that when Han Solo died. Yeah, she's she's so bummed out by Han Solo dying. But uh, but but I enjoyed it. And but if anybody has complaints about the movie, I I respect their complaints. I, I'll never tell anybody that they're wrong, uh, even yeah. when they are. But uh, but but I just really thought that it was a nice fresh start to this next sequel, you know, series of movies. Uh, but but then I don't want the next movie, Last Jedi, to be like exactly like Empire Strikes Back. I, I recognize that probably there might be some echoes just because. The first movie was so similar. We have some kind of through lines going into it, uh, mm-hmm. but but I but I just enjoyed the Force Awakens a great deal. Right, right. Uh, well, I definitely did too. As I said, that's really what uh, what motivated me to get involved with the with the whole universe. 
And uh, I, I recognize that a lot of people that uh, one of the biggest complaints is, is how it is so similar to um, the first Star Wars movie. Uh, and I think that there's, you know, there, you can look at that a lot of different ways. Have you heard anything about the Star Wars ring theory? Uh, no, but um, I, I know that there's like you know big talk of big cycles going on in, in the in this series. But I, I will. That's as far as I've heard. So go ahead and give me your breakdown on the uh, the Star okay. Wars ring theory. Okay. Well, uh, there is a wonderful website. Uh, if you go and you type in just Google Star Wars ring theory by Mike. Limo, it will come up. It's K L I M O, and he developed a, a paper about this. And what's interesting for for me is I was aware of ring theory in terms of how that fits in with literature. It's something that I come across in in recent years. Initially, I was introduced to it when um, I was listening to people who were kind of dissecting the the Harry Potter uh, franchise and found out that. This is a uh, very, just like everybody talks about the hero's journey and how mm -hmm. how much that is something that they call a um, a monomyth, something that is all different cultures around the world seem to have these similar ways of telling stories that we identify with. Well, the ring theory was a way of literature that apparently has been around since ancient times in developing a story to where it, it comes full circle and there are echoes along the whole circle. And I think it, it's hard for me to do, define it really well without getting into a lot of detail and taking more time than we probably want to right now. But I would recommend going and looking at at uh, this website if anyone wants to know about it. And it's, it's so it, when you look at that, you can kind of see where perhaps the idea of uh, the Force Awakens uh, mirroring A New Hope or the original Star Wars movie has a bigger purpose other than just copying the formula and how nice that was. And the proposal that this Mike Primo came up with is that the, the original six movies completes an entire circle. And it's something that uh, George Lucas was deliberately doing and as I said, I've seen this in literature before, but I've never seen it done in uh, the visual arts that way. And it's it's just it's real interesting. There's a famous anthropologist named Mary Douglas who came up with some theories about this and a famous book called Thinking in Circles that talks about how uh, significant writing this way is and refers back to, like I say, ancient myths and myths from around the whole world and looking at the Bible, the way certain books of it are written and so forth. So uh, ring theory is uh, just, it, it's, it's fun to get into the details of it. So, so I have a question for you. So uh, the, the ring theory work deals pretty much with the six movies. And I, I know that Lucas, if I'm correct me, if I'm wrong, don't let me keep talking, but, uh, and I believe Lucas said that, he envisioned Star Wars as a six, you know, movie series, which tells the stories of Anakin Skywalker, who starts out, you know, young, and then he 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 rises in the ranks of the Jedi, but then he falls, but then he is redeemed near the end. And I've uh, I felt that was not a really satisfying journey for me, mainly because it was like such an abrupt turn near the end. So one thing I appreciate with the character of Kylo Ren, who we're kind of talking about is that he kind of carries on the badness of Darth Vader. And so if he does have like a redemptive arc where he comes back and, and becomes like a heroic or a less villainous or a regretful villain who tries to strive to be good, then that's like a much better extended circle for me where Darth Vader, Anakin starts off fresh, goes bad and then this badness sticks around until it until it has to be rejected by his biggest fan. So does uh -huh. it make sense? Does it make sense what I'm saying? That why I, yeah. I I kind of like Kylo Ren's story, and I like this idea that he's just not going to be the bad guy to be defeated, but instead it's 
it's important from a narrative point of view that he has some kind of pivot or has a means to redeem himself. Right. And and I think that one of, uh, if, if I have a complaint about The Force Awakens, it's that I think that J.J. Abrams left a lot of things very vague. And I know that some of it was intentional so that there would be more surprises coming up, but I think he did it almost a little too much to where uh, there are these very strong feelings about that character, almost uh, almost too strong at, at yeah. this point. And uh, I've seen a lot of people online that are in the Star Wars fandom that uh, uh, just, uh, as she's mentioned with your wife, you know, have such strong feelings about <laughs> what he did that yeah. they don't even want to think about the idea of this uh, this possibility that I'm bringing up. Right. Yeah. Um, but the first thing I'd challenge about that is if um, you didn't even want to look at a redemption arc for him and you're coming from the aspect of that because he killed Han Solo, I would take it from the perspective of, well, what would Han and Leia think about that? Because I think that um, Han sacrificed himself to try and bring his son back, and I believe that there's evidence that that sacrifice was already starting to be felt and is going to be felt to where if Kylo Ren stays bad, then it's kind of like he died for nothing. Right. If he he does turn around and come back, then there was some benefit to his sacrifice. Right. And and I thought that it was important for Han to make that, you know, that kind of like appeal to his son. Because, you know, because, because, you know, he didn't have to go out on that catwalk. Because, I mean, we all knew that nothing good was going to happen when right. Han went out to, to see Ben Solo. I mean, we did, I mean, like, we're not dumb. We know this is not going to go well for, for Han. Um, but, but it's more, it's important if, if there is some hope for Kylo Ren or else, you know, Han was just like a big sucker because it was important for him as a parent. To try to make this like all out appeal for his son in the only way he could. Uh, and also I thought it was important for him to try to bring his son back, you know, for, for Leia. And I think I sent you an email earlier today that I'm, I really want them to explain to me like the timeline events of what happened. We know that, that Leia really wanted, uh, Ben to study with Luke because she, she mentions that in the, uh, the movie and how that kind of like she drove him away because of that. Uh, and, you know, she, she never sent him away. And, and, and I know that caused like a wedge between Han and Leia. So my, I, I appreciate Han trying to bring back his son, not just to save his son from this dark path, but also to save his wife from regret for, for kind of like putting him on that path. Mm-hmm. So, so I, so I, I want that to, to work out. And if we can drop this back into like Game of Thrones territory, because you and I talk about Game of Thrones all the time, that you know, you know, Ned Stark was a noble guy and he died like a chump in some ways because, you know, he kind of like stepped into a situation that he had very little control of and he he was playing way, you know, above his ability. But holding on to his honor, I felt was important from like a long term goal. So I, I want there to be some payoff for Ned's honor, just like I want there to be a payoff for Han's sacrifice. And, and the only way that'll happen is if Ben Solo kind of returns at some point. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, with the analogy there with Ned Stark, I think that what we're seeing is how, uh, you know, like when you compare the Lannisters to the Starks, that the Stark family is that much stronger and, uh, you know, where they're going to end up at the end of the series, as opposed to the Lannisters that tore themselves apart, that uh, even though at the time that, that, Ned, uh, that Ned died, it seemed like maybe the, the Lannisters were winning. And in the long run, it's going to be the Starks, because of Ned and who he was and what he instilled in his family, they're going to be the ones that come out on top. Right. Yeah. 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 One thing I'd like to... And I'm gonna kind of jump around at some of these things, but you know, there's there's this one point in the movie where 
Han is talking to to Finn where he says, you know, uh, women always find out. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, right. So <laughs> then, yeah. Leia says, "There's still light in him. I know." Yeah. Right. So I think you know, if if women always know, listen to Leia. Uh, which is echoing what Luke said about Vader, of course. Right. See, and that's a good point because one one thing that we kind of need this kind of like Ben Solo pass presented to us is that we can trust Leia that she you know she grew up raising this or or Ben grew up with her, so she would have recognized a goodness in him. Whereas when when Luke said to his father you know hey I, I sense the goodness in you and i'm and i'm thinking like really i've never seen any goodness in darth vader and, and, and then when the prequels came out i said i i really want to see some goodness in anakin skywalker so i'll feel this tragedy that this good character has been you know dropped low whatever it is that luke saw in darth vader and instead i just see him killing children and i'm like oh man i, I don't i don't know about this so I, I, one thing that I hope going forward with the movies is that we find out some charming things about little Ben Solo, uh-huh. so I could, so I, so I can buy in that there's like some good in him. But I, but I, I would take Leia, you know, on her word that she, uh, that she can recognize there's goodness in him, even though we haven't necessarily seen him right. be anything other than kind of a bad guy, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, Got a couple of, of quotes here, but from back when the, the original movie came out, and the thing with with Kylo or Ben Solo, you know, when, when he was young, and you're having Ryan Johnson and the ad, actor Adam Driver talking about this even more now about the fact that uh, when he was growing up, he, his parents weren't really there for him, but he felt that they were much more. Involved with the uh, with the resist or with the with one of the resistance and the, the rebellion, the, the new republic, yeah, yeah, yeah rebuilding things. And uh, here's a quote from Adam Driver back with the first movie. He said, "Having all these special powers and having your parents absent during the process on their own agendas equally as selfish. He is lost in the world he was raised in and feels that he was kind of abandoned by the people he was closest with." And I think that one of the things uh, that's going to be so important in this movie coming up is that they are going to have to build, you know, we're going to have to learn about why Ben ended up as Kylo Ren. And I think that's going to come out in this movie. It's also going to be something that, uh, I mean, I think, have you probably noticed with a lot of emotional material that they are playing up this, uh, Mirroring between Kylo and Ray. Yes. No. No. I, I. Yeah. I agree with you. In fact, you you sent me a link to a great uh, video that uh, it had a lot of the yin yang type symbolism going on between the two of them. So I completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to go too much into that here. I could go on a, another huge tangent about about that because it is a tremendous amount of it. But I think that one of the things they're going to have to do in this movie is, you know, Ray, where she's starting out right now, she thinks this person is a monster. And so as she learns what happened to this person, where he, you know, how he got to where he is, then the audience is also going to learn that. And we're going to hopefully develop some empathy an understanding of what happened to drive this kid to where he is. Yeah, and how he was probably taken advantage of by, uh, you know, by bad actors. You know, I mean, you know, Leia blamed Snoke for luring uh, uh, him to the dark side, and so uh, I, I'm I'm invested in finding out of that story, uh, and also, well, you know, so Luke Luke has left and has gone into isolation because of a traumatic situation that happened. And so I, I want to find, find out about that as well as you know, the first movie, the focus was on finding Luke Skywalker and, and Luke, you know, rel- you know, correctly. So has like a, this reputation. And so it's no wonder that when Ray goes to find Luke, that, you know, she expects to find like, you know, 
the Jedi Superman who is going to make everything right. But 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 we have that sense that this is not where Luke is right now. He's kind of like in a bad place emotionally over what happened. Or otherwise he wouldn't have gone off into hiding and, you know, mm-hmm. uh has not been wanting to be found for uh, mm-hmm. for so long. So so I'm looking forward to all this different kind of like blend of of factions and motivations that are not necessarily lined up the way we the good guys would want things to be working out. Right. Right. I mean the the kind of the story that people are hearing is that that Kylo uh betrayed his uncle, killed his fellow students and uh you know turned to the dark side and I think that there's going to be a lot more to that story than what we're hearing. And yeah. It's going to be as simple as that. And that will play into a lot of why Luke feels as much of the regret as he does. And a couple of novels that have come out, there was, uh, there's a really good one that I'd recommend called Bloodlines. And uh-huh. it is, uh, by an author named Claudia Gray. And it's about Leia. It's, it focuses on her during the time that she before she becomes the general for the resistance, she's a senator at the Republic. Her son has grown up, but he's already off with Luke. And she isn't able to communicate with him because he and Luke are traveling the galaxy, and it's just really hard to reach him. And right. Han, Han isn't even around a lot. In the book, he is uh, training young uh, pilots and uh, like hosting races with pilots and so forth, so that's kind of his focus. He isn't a, a smuggler in this book, but mm-hmm. uh, anyway, uh, what happens in this book is that Leia is outed as Darth Vader's daughter. That apparently it was something that only she and Han and Luke knew, and one of her opponents, political opponents, finds this information out. The Republic had already kind of split into two factions of a group that wanted a strong central government, maybe kind of similar to the Empire without necessarily a Palpatine. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like the Empire, but not necessarily evil. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And, and then Leia on the side of those who wanted independent rule amongst, you know, worlds that, that came together, worked together. So her opponents out her. And you find out at that time that they hadn't even told Ben that Darth Vader was his grandfather. Um, She sends a urgent message out to try to reach him, to let him know that they hadn't told him this yet because they wanted to wait for a time when they thought it was appropriate, when he was an adult and could understand it and everything. So I have a feeling that somewhere in all of that, that's going to play a role. But you also find out in some of the extended material, as well as some of the quotes and things that people have said, that that this Snoke character is like a predator. And there is evidence that he's been watching. Uh, he was kind of lurking around and maybe getting into Kylo's head his entire life. Huh. Uh, and here's a quote uh, from J.J. Abrams. He said, Snoke had targeted this kid. He knew the kid was going to be incredibly powerful in the Force and wanted him as an ally. There's a series of books called the Aftermath series that that uh, go over things that happened at the time that the Empire collapsed. It's kind of like cleaning up things that happened when the Empire uh, collapsed and the New Republic was trying to get set up. and in that, during those books, uh, Leia is pregnant. And who, who who wrote those books? Oh, you know, look those up real quick. Oh, sorry. Um, I've only read the first one of those, but I uh-huh. have heard information about um, different things that are in all three of them. Um, and as I said, it, it, Leia is pregnant in these books, and she has her first experience, Luke has been trying to train her to tap into the Force and feel the Force. She's not having a whole lot of luck with it. She's kind of meditating and trying to do it. Another mm-hmm. instance where Han is off somewhere, Luke's off somewhere, Leia's by herself, 
that she has this, she finally gets into this meditative state. She connects with, with Ben through, I mean, she feels her child, but she feels him through the, his force energy. And she, it's, it's a really interesting passage. She has some interesting revelations there. But at the exact same time, she feels this dark presence and entity that's kind of like watching her. It's really creepy. Wow. So I think that we're going to find a lot more about uh, Snoke and his way well, he's been manipulating this kid all along. Uh, no, I like I like all of this as uh, background material, and I hope some of this ends up pulled into the movie. Uh, now this is all good. Thank you. You know, because because as you as I've said, I I I'm not big into uh, reading the novelizations or uh, or reading the other materials. I really just get off from the movie. So hearing this detail is very enriching to me. Thank you. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Good. Yeah, I think that you know, I'm, I'm sure that some of this is going to make it into the books, but probably not as much as we want. Uh, or as, as we're... Okay, here's the uh, the series of the aftermath series is written by Chuck Wendig. Okay, I, I know of him. I, I might follow him on Twitter. Yeah, I've, I've heard I've heard good things about him. Yeah. So there's there's three books, um, and uh, it. it the main characters don't play a big role in it. it there's a lot of different intertwining uh, narratives and storylines in them, but you get these these few little glimpses and pieces, and that's where I'm you know, been trying to kind of like weave all this together and have a better understanding of what was going on. And uh, one of the things that I think is real interesting too is that in the uh, the movie, The Force Awakens, there is a lot of visual uh, storytelling that's going on. That that uh, if you kind of dissect it and look at it, it's it's interesting. And uh, one of them that I wanted to go over with you is about Starkiller Base. Okay. Let's do that. Pulling up my notes here. Um, okay. See, this is where I think that Starkiller Base is, is interesting from this perspective in that it, it isn't just another Death Star type of thing. Yeah, you you had a note in your uh, in in our for some inside baseball here for your uh, for your pre podcast notes uh, right. that uh, that about Starkiller Bates that I found intriguing. I had not thought about that. It's like a like a metaphor for Kylo Ren. So I want to I want to hear your uh, your rationale for this. Okay. Yeah. And now and I and I have to I have to uh, I want to say up front that just like with Game of Thrones. A lot of this stuff, this is not things that I came up with. These are things that I've read. So um, I don't want to take credit for this. There are a lot of great people out there. And I'll name a couple of uh, interesting resources at the end of our podcast that people can look for further information. But uh, don't don't uh, anybody take that I'm trying to take credit for these great <laughs> ideas here. Okay. But, but yeah, Starkiller Base as a metaphor for Kylo Ren and um, and how Snoke is using him. When you first have the resistance that are meeting up at their their base and they're they're looking at kind of the schematics of this thing and talking about it, and uh, Finn describes it. He says it uses the power of the sun. As the weapon is charged, it drains the sun until it disappears. Yeah, it it's literally removes the light. It literally makes yeah. things dark, which I think right. right. Right, I think that's a good, it's an interesting symbolism. Right, for, it's uh, the sun, like the yeah. sun. Uh, yeah. When, when uh, Han first starts talking to, to Kylo, he tells him that uh, Snoke is using you for your power. Right. And Just... when he's done, he's going to discard you, okay? So then they talk about the fact that they want to destroy the oscillator. Uh, that's what they're targeting. And the oscillator is something that kind of alternates a current or a power source. 
and think about Ben Solo with kind of the light and the dark in it. Uh-huh. And so when the shields are brought down and Poe and crew gets in with their planes, they start their attack. They say that um, when the sun is gone, the weapon will be ready to fire. As long as there's light, we have a chance. Uh-huh. When the sun totally goes, at the moment that, that Kylo actually impales Han with his lightsaber is the moment when all the light's gone. Yeah, so, so, so Han Solo was the hope, because when the, as long as there's sun, there's hope. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I like that. I like that. Yeah. I like all of that, yeah. But then it starts, but, but what starts happening is you get these these uh, shifting, they go, you know, they cut from what's going on with those people back to the resistant bombers. Right. At the moment that Kylo kills Han, and they switch back to the to the bombers and they say, the oscillator's been damaged, but it's still functional. Yeah. Okay. Then, again, going back and forth, at the moment when Ray pulls the lightsaber out of the snow, they switch back to the pilots. There's a brand new hole in the oscillator. Looks like our friends got in. Wow. You know, I, I never... Uh associated those two particular scenes that well, that there is that Ray's kind of like it's not her victory but but Ray definitely steps up her game when she gets hold of Luke's uh, lightsaber you know and then and then it's like a shining beacon of light you know let's just go ahead and say that you know oh, yeah. so, so she's like a new hope but um and then that's the hope that they see uh with the damaged oscillator no i like that i like all of that that's great yeah yeah when, when she when uh the scene when when han is murdered uh, she and finn are standing up on this uh, balcony and the ray of light is coming in through her right it's, it's shining on down you know through her down to where han and kylo are standing yeah. So um, later, so okay. So and and when when she gets the the lightsaber, you see the look on his face. Um, is is he's he's absolutely stunned, but he's not angry like he was when you know he was starting this fight with Finn. It's almost kind of like this look of amazement. Uh huh. So again, <sighs> these things are impacting him in some way. So. Uh, the brand new hole in the oscillator, they get in, they tap the thing, and they blow it up. Now, you have, um, uh, Hux runs into Snoke, says, if the pool, the fuel cells have ruptured, ruptured, and the collapse of the planet has begun. Okay, so, then, when the, uh, flames, Start flying away. Let me do this little quick summary here. Got kind of notes in different places here because there's so many resources. <laughs> I'm right. Trying to find it. Yeah. Okay. So then at the end of it, and plays are flying away. Uh, the script says the planet implodes. The sunlight it contains bursts forth. As it gets further and further distance from what was Starkiller Base, we witness the rebirth of a sun. Light is restored to a corner of the galaxy. Huh. So uh, what I'm saying is, at that point, the things that you know, the, the fuel cells were ruptured, the thing was collapsing, and it's, the sun has been reborn. That's that's all very cool. I like that. I like all of that. Uh, that was very clever. I'm glad you uh, put that together for this. Yeah, uh, like I say, I can't take credit for it. I've, no, I've no, but, 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 but yeah, but you, I, I think, yeah, but you brought it to the table is what I'm saying. So thank you. Right, right. There's another. I, I won't go into this one too, but if you if people look at the dialogue, there's another part in the movie where um, you can kind of do the same thing with the dialogue in terms of using the Millennium Falcon, and when the Falcon is uh, when the, they are on it and it's having these malfunctions and it's about to blow up and everything. Again, there's these cutting back scene, scenes between what's going on with Snoke and Kylo Ren and what's going on with the, with the group there. And, uh, basically the Millennium Falcon, another thing that's important to Han has been interfered with and messed up with and Ray's able to bypass the problem, kind of fix it. 
Oh, so so possibly foreshadowing that Ray will be responsible for fixing uh, Kylo Ren. Right, right. And okay. again, I'm not going into the details of it here, but there's there are several back and forths at that point in time that you can kind of see that this is probably something there that was put there on purpose. It's too there's too much uh, coincidence for it to be just kind of random stuff. Right, and, it, and it's relatively subtle. It's not it's not way on the nose. So I appreciate that. Right, right. Uh, just like uh, the uh, Kylo's lightsaber, that thing is made with a cracked crystal. Yeah, and yes. it has to have yeah. the vents off the side, or else the thing is going to explode. Yeah, and uh, the actor has said that it's a metaphor for him. Yeah. Oh, one thing else I want to find here is there is um, interesting stuff in the, the novelizations for The Force Awakens. There's actually two versions of it. They came out with a, an adult one and a junior one for, for teens. And if you read the novelizations, you get more development on different scenes and things that are going on. And I think that there's some interesting things with, with Snoke, again, who is, uh, if you look at him as kind of like a predator who's been grooming this kid, it's very similar to Palpatine with Anakin. And uh, he tells Kylo, basically, uh, goes into more in the, in the novelization it shows how he's really setting him up for that he needs to kill his father in uh-huh. order to, to, uh, it's, uh, basically a test of him. And he tells him how, um, in, in his mind, he's been telling this, this kid that the only thing that his grandfather failed in was in, uh, not killing Luke. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that, and that basically, that the only thing that was wrong that happened in, in this man's impeccable life was that he succumbed to sentiment. And so right. he doesn't want to have Kylo do that. And I'm trying to find this one place here where he, he tells, okay, here we go. This uh, gives you a little bit more into why Snoke is so uh, interested in Kylo. He's supposed to be a... Um, combination between uh, the light and dark. So when uh, Hux has left this room, it was, the three of them were there and it says, uh, when Snoke spoke next, there was an intimacy in his voice, familiarity that stood in sharp contrast to the commanding tone he had used with Hux. I've never had a student with such promise before you. Run straight. It's your teachings that make me strong, Supreme Leader. And then Snoke says, it's far more than that. It's where you're from, what you're made of, the dark side and the light. The finest sculptor cannot fashion a masterpiece from poor materials. He must have something pure, something strong, something unbreakable to work with. And I have you. And then and and that's not and that's not from the uh from the junior version that's from the uh the the main novelization it is it's it's interesting to me that you're pitching uh kylo ren as so much of uh a combination of the light side and the dark side which is good because you want there to be some kind of light side happening for our redemption, uh, but you are right because we've we've not really talked much about the fact that you know he carries Darth Vader's you know like magical genetics in him as long along with uh, Luke's, so uh, you know through Leia, so um, so that's that's good that there is this resources within Ben Solo for him to be able to have a redemption, that there is this strong light side deal that we're kind of like. I guess the movie really focuses heavily on how much into the dark side he is. Right, right. He has that whole scene where he's communing with uh, Vader's mask, that burnt mask of Vader, where he's telling it that uh, he feels the pull to the light again. Yeah. 
you know, and, and the scene with Han where he's being torn apart. Right. So, you know, he, he's got all this conflict in him that apparently he's had all his life and Snook's kind of like preyed upon this stuff. But there is one thing I think that's real interesting in the junior novel, which try and pull that up real quick here to give you one other thing with, uh, with Han's death scene. Hey, uh, what do you know about the Knights of Ren? Because we know that uh, Kylo is the master of the Knights of Ren. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you know of the of the Knights of Ren? They are a very mysterious group. I'll tell you that. Okay. There isn't a whole lot done about them in that aftermath series that I was talking about. Uh huh. Um, there, it, it's interesting because, like I say, it's it's when the the Empire is breaking up and um, after uh, Palpatine's death and. What happens with the kind of remnants of the Empire is they end up going into wild space or somewhere in the uncharted regions because Palpatine had left this kind of blueprint for them. And he had been hearing this dark entity out in space that he was trying to commune with. Uh-huh. Some people think maybe that's Snoke. And so basically the remnants of the Empire went out there. They came back as the First Order. And in the midst of all this, there are these, there's this group of people running around calling themselves the Acolytes of the Beyond, and they are collecting dark side remnants of different artifacts that supposedly have power to them, kind of similar to like Vader's mask there. Yeah. And there's a lot of people suspect that they may have been, become the Knights of Ren, but um, there's nothing really known for sure other than the fact that this group kind of they like to wear the, um, these masks and stuff like that so that's where people are trying to put the association in there gotcha okay um, but they it, it will be interesting there's very little known about them who Ren is where that comes from so I would like to know more about that and I hope that something gets explained about that um, anyways um, huh. The, uh, from the junior novelization, and I think I, I, I told you this book before, uh, again, I think, you know, supporting that, I think that Han really would want to see this redemption arc happen. The last thing he it, uh, says is uh, that uh, Han forgave his son for what he had done, and he prayed that someday his son would forgive him in turn. So I think that that kind of alludes to the fact that there was obviously he wasn't necessarily there for him. Right. There's there's definitely some kind of like blame going around uh, mm-hmm. among everybody in the family. So, right. uh, so so eventually we'll we'll get to the bottom of uh, of how everybody has messed up in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then I think something else uh, that's interesting is as we're seeing all this promotional material as we start to head towards. Force Awakens, they're really, really emphasizing, uh, you know, as I was saying, the, the way that these two characters are more like each other than they're not. When the, when the, um, uh, trailer came out, the main trailer, not the, uh, initial teaser one, there's these different quotes that are happening throughout the trailer. One of you know, the beginning one where Snoke says, when I found you, uh, I saw raw power and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and the interesting thing about that, it, it's like he's talking to Kylo, but then it switches to Ray right away. Yeah. There's two or three quotes throughout that whole thing uh, where as people were looking at it and trying to figure out what was going on, they're like, is he talking to Kylo or is he talking to Ray?" And you can say that for almost every line in that trailer, which goes to, to show the similarity of what's going on between the two of them. <laughs> My daughter will be very unhappy if Ray turns to the dark side. I just have to say that. It'll be very, there will be a riot in the theater if that happens. I don't think she will. I really no. don't think she will. In right. fact, you know, they, the, the promotional material keeps talking about how these two people are like uh, two sides of the same coin and they're sure. going to be pushing each other and they could pull each other to the other side. And, uh, you know, in, in my mind, it's going to be. That um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm supposing that sometime within this film, Kylo, and he's going to be really tested. He's going to start out this film at the lowest of his low. And that's where you kind of get into that reverse Anakin idea. Uh-huh. He's already kind of where you would have had Anakin in this story uh, in the Revenge of the Sith. And we want to see him end up, you know, doing a, doing an opposite journey here. Right. Where if you had Anakin, who as a young boy was taken away from his family and became involved with this woman who some people could say, you know, may have, she was so much <laughs> older than him that, you know, there, there could have been some mother issues there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and as that video that I, I, uh, suggested you watch goes into that, it was kind of more of a, a, um, it wasn't, it was kind of an obsessive romance. Right. You know, right. and they had to keep it secret. And, uh, you know, either, there was just so much negativeness going on. And then his, his fear after his mother died, and then it's his fear for, Padme and, and being groomed by Palpatine that it's, uh, his love for Padme is one of the main motivators that, that sends him to the other side. Well, now you've got Ben Solo, whose family, uh, it, you know, Vader was redeemed by his familial love. So now you've got familial love that's failed Ben. So if you take the thing through the cycle and have it be the reverse of, uh, of Anakin, the idea that hopefully in the last movie, if, uh, Kylo and Ray do end up together, that there may be, that that's going to be part of what the impetus for him is maybe romantic love is going to help save right. him. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, uh, him telling, uh, Vader's helmet that he's going to finish what his grandfather started, that he's talking about having a family. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of, you, you know, that's another thing a lot of people have questions about is what's he talking about there? Because yeah. <laughs> there's so many things that you can interpret out of that. And, uh, so it, it, it's obvious through the movie that even though he may be trying to do Snoke's bidding, he has some sort of his own agenda that's going on and, and whether and how much that aligns with, uh, Snoke and how much, uh, Vader's, uh, legacy is part of that. Is uh, it's an interesting thing to look at. Um, but as uh, Ryan Johnson has focused on the fact that we're going to have a couple of major uh, revelations happen, I think one of them is going to be this whole backstory behind Ben Solo, and then I think another is going to be how uh, you know what Luke has been learning about the Force. And right. then we're going to have some things that are going to be pretty, uh, you know, some big revelation about that and, and how Lucas seems, Lucasfilm seems to be pushing this whole narrative of we aren't going to be going to dark side, light side, fighting each other, that, that the answer is more of a balance in the middle. And what does that mean? And I think that's a more nuanced look at things. And again, with the analogy to, to our uh, Game of Thrones background, um, a more of a gray area of characters looking at them instead of them being singularly black or white. And I'm just delighted that Luke Skywalker will be in a movie again and he'll actually have lines. I'm very happy. <laughs> I'm very happy for that. Uh, uh, I love Mark Hamill. He is, yeah. fun. he is such a joy. And uh, listening to him do all these promotional interviews and stuff he's doing. Yeah. I think people are, are going to, but I don't know, you know, the thing about it that's going to be interesting is, as he, as Mark Hamill keeps saying, you know, people, you know, he, he himself was pretty concerned about what would have brought Luke to the place where he is right now. And I, I wonder how people are going to feel about that when they, when they see it. Yeah. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm ready for him to be a messed up Luke. I mean, it's okay. It's okay. He doesn't have to be, you know, the, the, the shining knight heroic guy for me. Um, I, I want to find out like what's going on with him. So I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it. I am looking forward to it. Good. Good. Okay. Ah, uh, my notes here and see if I, 
gone over all this stuff. Um, I want to address something you told me in the beginning there about uh, about what your daughter said about Ray too, about being a strong character. <laughs> yeah. I I have heard that. I've heard a lot of people kind of make that argument. And the one thing that I think is real interesting about that is, would people ever make that argument for a male character and say? No. If they have a relationship, they're not a strong character. Right, right. No, nobody nobody says, hey, I don't want Spider-Man to hook up with Mary Jane because I want Spider-Man to be a strong, independent man. Right. No, I mean, nobody says that. So it's yeah. totally fine. Ray can totally have a boyfriend or, or a girlfriend. I don't care. You know, it's it's okay. As long as Ray is happy, I'm fine. But uh, still be a strong character. Yeah, exactly. Ray, Ray is not defined by anybody that she's with. Um in many ways, I think my daughter uh, doesn't want to hook up with – when I say hook up, I mean become romantically involved or whatever with right. uh, Kylo Ren because her uh, her best friend, uh, Jana, just loves Adam Driver, and she only knows him from The Force Awakens. And so she just thinks Kylo Ren is the greatest. She's like, oh, he's so good looking, you know, and so she <laughs> – so I think I think the two of them will get into a big argument if, uh, if anything happens because it will make uh, uh, my daughter angry. Yeah. Well, hopefully, if uh, if uh, Johnson has done his job good, and I, I'm I'm I've got a lot of faith in him. Yeah, we're gonna people will walk out of this movie with a different look on uh, Kylo Ren Ben Solo. Sure. And think about how when so many of us, starting with Jamie Lannister pushing Bran out the window, <laughs> you know, yeah. how many of us would have thought that we would care for this character and and be rooting for him. Or, 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 you know, like Sandor Clegane, who is also awful, you know, mm-hmm. who did awful things, and yet we're all kind of rooting for his redemption. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for Leia, uh, it's so sad about Carrie Fisher. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, not to trivialize anything about, about her death, but, uh, you know, one, Additional sad thing about it is that uh, Han, uh, Harrison Ford, was the main part of the trio that was the focus of The Force Awakens. Now the right. last Jedi is going to be Luke. Well, apparently, Carrie had been told that she was going to be the main one of the trio in the last movie. Yeah, I heard that also. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and, and you're right. You know, people are more important than things, and you know, movies are are not as important as a person's real life. But but we we understand that it would have been a nice thing for her to have a movie featuring her, her prominently, right. um, because because we all love Carrie Fisher, and, and she was such a personality just from the beginning. Um, it, it's a it's a it's a shame in many ways, and you know, of course, the the big tragedy is just the fact that she she passed. It's a shame, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely, um, and I always, in listening to her interviews, though she really identified with the Princess Leia character and would say, "You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, Princess Princess Leia is me, and I'm Princess Leia." Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and I think that, that again, that might be another hint that uh, you know, if if she, if uh, Kylo Ren is going to be redeemed, what what I'm hoping is that uh, by the end of this movie. We're going to have some sort of alliance going on with with uh, Ray and Kylo. I don't think it's going to be romantic necessarily in any way. Uh, just the fact that they're going to be working together, and um, you know, hopefully, that in the last movie, be taking down uh, yeah. the evil. Yeah. yeah. That's my prediction. Yeah, down down with evil. I agree. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know, it would have been again. This would have been the reverse of Anakin. He would be reuniting with his mother, where Anakin was taken away from his mother. Yeah, yeah. So, sadly, I'm sure there'll be some reworking in the in the narrative there. And uh, the whole the scenario of the the yin yang and and uh, what's going on visually in the Force Awakens between Kyle and Ray and what that pretends for the next movie. I could do a whole separate podcast about that, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> uh, get into any of that with you here. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I think I've pretty much gone over the majority of, of what I wanted to to bring up. Is there 
Anything else you'd like to talk about it? Uh, no, I, I, I was I was fascinated by all of your insights into this uh, detail. So, uh, so, so I have nothing else to contribute. <laughs> well, I appreciate you uh, coming on and, and allowing me to have someone to bounce these ideas off with and, and talk to you about it. And I would recommend to people that want to see or hear any more about this that, especially on YouTube, there's some uh, great videos. There's a group of people who, uh, they're basically podcasts, but they, they put them out on YouTube called Star Wars Connection. And if you go into their uh, older works that they've done over the last couple of years, they really get into uh, the breaking down of the film and some of the narrative issues that I'm talking about. Their, their newer ones are going over all the promotional material for the, for the last Jedi, but to, to get into those, uh, details, uh, people look at those old ones. And then, the the one that I recommended to you, this gentleman called the Wayward Jedi. Uh, I really like what he's been doing. He, uh, the, the video that I sent you about the whole, uh, Kylo Ren, uh, echo, reverse echo of Anakin video. Um, on top of that, he's got some other good ones where he's uh, looking at some of the movies that Ryan Johnson has said that he used for inspiration for uh, The Last Jedi. He took a look at those movies and, and relates how they might be applicable. And he also has this great Snoke video where it's not one of these who Snoke is, because I think everybody's come up with their idea of who Snoke is. Uh-huh. It's a um, it's what, if you're, if you're looking at traditional myths, what kind of role would this figure play and how does that figure into the whole story? And uh, it's interesting. Mm, so okay. I uh, say these, those are some good resources. And if anybody wants additional information other than that, uh, they can certainly contact me through uh, Twitter at uh, Black Eyed Lily. And I'd be happy to, to uh, give further information about it. Well, well, outstanding. Well, thank you so much for uh, for putting all this together. Thank you. Do you want to mention uh, where people can get in touch with uh, you and what uh, again what you're doing? Yeah, if your, anybody, uh, yeah, if, with your blog. If anybody has any interest in me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's uh, Patman. It's like Batman, but with a P. Uh, Patman twenty three. Uh, and from there, you can find my blog, which is patrickspelagle.com. I wrote a lot about Game of Thrones for like the past four years, but I've, I'm now just occasionally writing feature articles over on watchersonthewall.com. And I'll probably write more when the show starts up, but but I'll, I'll write a few things before the show does. But it'll be a long time before the show starts up again, and I, I didn't want to commit myself to writing every week like I had been doing. Uh, but but I, I write about TV, and I write about other things. Uh, but I'm probably more fun just to talk to on Twitter, really. <laughs> yeah, I think I... I think I'm better in sh- little short tweets instead of uh, my long articles. Oh, well, I think that there are a lot of fun, thoughtful ones, so I, I think oh. uh, people should go take a look at them. Well, thank you. So, all right, well, I guess we'll wrap this up for today, and uh, you know, who knows, maybe we'll come back and talk about it after the, the uh, Last Jedi comes out. Great. So, thanks again, Pat, and good night. Good night.